two strike pitch. There's a drive out to left field. That's deep. Winker's back at the wall and it's gone. Raphael going opposite field. A two run shot and the Red Sox have the lead in the eighth inning, number 14 for Denver. You're so in the moment with a player being on your favorite team that I think you take it for granted a little bit. He is a special, special talent. I think he's just like a one of one hitter because that home run is just silly. Trying to get there. Makes a spectacular play. A diving play. It's Ref Snyder out there with a sensational catch. JD will drive that one. That one socked to left. That's sailing back. That ball's gone. It got over the yellow line. And the Lord said, go socks. All right, we're back. Episode 14 of the Obstructed View Red Sox podcast. We are brought to you by the Beyond the Monster. Uh, gentlemen, welcome back. Okay. <laughs> uh so i guess we're just gonna dive right into the show then uh we got a guest um if you've been listening last couple episodes we've uh we've had a, a hot guest list and it continues to remain hot and uh we're gonna go inside the monster this afternoon mm -hmm. and uh we'd like to welcome steve peralt dude what's going on i am so happy to be on here and i like that intro i care a lot about the intros i, I put a lot of time into like anytime we're interviewing somebody that was a nice little like, oh, okay, going inside. There you go. That was nice, and I'm happy to be here. And everyone else, I think we need to pick the energy up because you were ready to, like, intro everybody, and it was just crickets. I don't know what was up with that. What's going on? It's Steve. <laughs> Look, How we doing? I'm at work, so it can't be too good. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. All right, we're ready to go now. We're good. Energy's up. All right, so uh, now that everybody's ready to go here. So, Steve, socks are hot right now. Coming off 8-2 and two road trip. Uh, we had that ridiculous catch by Ref Snyder in the outfield. Um, we have Rafi hitting bombs. He's eating ice cream, uh, during the post game with Jemai Weber. Um, you talked about on your last episode, um, <clears throat> how we might be taking Rafi for granted. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, Rafi has the opportunity to maybe be one of the greatest Sox hitters that we may have ever seen? I definitely do. And I, I think it's funny that it took me uh, kind of a random two run homer in Seattle to realize this. It, sometimes like things will just click in your head of like, oh, OK, this guy is incredible. And regardless of what happens to him, he could get plunked in the arm. I know in the playoffs last year, his forearm was effed up. It was completely screwed. You could tell he was in pain after every swing. Didn't matter. Still played at a high level. And it's just he's hitting balls that guys have no business hitting. And consistently, and I, I got upset at him a, a couple weeks ago uh, for swinging at a ball that was out of the zone against Castillo when he had thrown like 11 out of 12 balls. And it was more, it needed more of a sense of the moment where you could have had bases loaded being down one, nothing to the reds. Um, but he's, he's a guy that consistently performs at a high level, regardless of the situation can make hard contact on a wide range of pitches and defensively has gotten way better. I think that's something that surprises me balls to third base. I'm now not in that headspace of, oh, where's this ball going to end up? Is it going to be the dugout, the third row, a short hop for Franchi or Bobby or whoever's over there? So Rafi's doing incredible things right now. That homer on uh, Sunday was huge. Just a, a big swing for the, the vibe of the season and the flight back to Boston and heading into an off day. Winning that game kind of really capped off. One of the best West Coast road trips I can remember in team history. Yeah, I know it's being up late all the time. I'm I know. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fine being done with that. I love the late nights. I really do. But 
when you're up until 2 a.m. and Robles blows a save, that sucks. Yeah. So we we're uh, we're not we're not we're only calling him Hansel blown saves from here on out. So, <laughs> yeah. so until he turns it around, he's only going to be known as Hansel blown saves. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's fair. It sucks. We're born on the same exact day. We literally were born hours apart. So I want this to be my guy. And he's just so not my guy. He's the exact opposite of my guy, which really sucks. But I don't know. I mean, he's really good in the eighth inning. Zero ERA. So let's stick with that. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually, I share a birthday with Rafi Devers. Oh, that's a good one. It is. That's a very good one. There you go. Okay. So nice. Very good. I'm privileged there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash, I guess. <laughs> That's the best I got. Yeah, that's not bad. Not that counts for something. but it's somebody. Yeah, that counts for something. You know, kind of while we're on moments, Steve, like in general, I mean, you're t- I'm sure Devers has given you quite a bit of awesome moments at Fenway. I'm just kind of curious, like, what's your favorite moment that you've been in a person to? You're at games all the times, you know, kind of either at Fenway or outside of Fenway. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. It was um... – I always go back to game two of the 2013 ALCS against the Tigers uh, when Ortiz hit the grand slam off Joaquin Benoit uh, to tie the game up there. I think a lot of people, even though like on the, I think the, the uh, Joe Buck call, it was tie game, but like everyone remembers the Dave O'Brien call, even though it was a radio call. That's so I, I know I it's, it's going to be tough as a broadcast. you like, I'm not topping that. That's, that's going to be it. But I think, it's got to be that considering the circumstances, the Red Sox were greatly outplayed those first two games probably should have lost that series against the Tigers. That's something that can happen in baseball that you don't really see in the NBA where the better team doesn't always win in baseball. And it kind of felt like that for that series. They end up winning one, nothing in game three on a nap solo bomb off for Lander. They really just snuck by. We're trailing in game six, Victorino grand slam. I was at that one too, but the, the Ortiz Grand Slam, I've never heard Fenway like that. The closest was the wild card game last year, honestly. I, that, yeah, that, that was incredible. That was I mean, a moment. high energy. I was screaming. I was in the middle of Yankees people, and uh, this guy was flexing on the fact that he came from New Jersey, and I was like, have a good ride home, bud. <laughs> yeah, that'll be enjoyable. Um, I, I think the, the wild card game with the Yankees was best from start to finish. That was like, a, we need to win this. I think everyone like realized in the moment, the ramifications of losing that game long-term, what it meant. Like you didn't want to have the most recent Trump card be in the Yankees pockets. Luckily the Red Sox got that one. And even though the Yankees are really good this season, who cares if they both make the postseason, you're zero and zero. doesn't really matter. hundred percent. Just kind of sets the clock back a little bit. I mean, regardless, we've seen how uh, successful the Yankees have been over the past few years. And I just feel like the, uh, their ability to, you know, keep it rolling hasn't been shown in the postseason. Well, you'd, no. you know, you'd be surprised because right now on Twitter, they've already scheduled the parade. I got people <laughs> telling me that they had taken the day off. You know, like you would have thought that the June we're, we're standings watching in June. We do that last year and they, they have our ass for doing it. But right now they're already that the 28 ring shirts are in pre-production, like with everything. Yeah. Now it, it's tough. I mean, Yankee fans, you got to give them credit. They're, they're, they're authentic selves at all times. I, I think right now they're showing the true colors of being clowns and, and front runners uh, as well, which is fine. It is what it is. And, you know, the record's nuts. I mean, I, I don't even want to look at it. Like, they're so good this year. I'm like, just let it just let it be. Don't even follow. Don't even look at the scores and all that. They're blowing out the Cubs, which doesn't really matter because the Cubs are terrible. But, yeah, <laughs> let the Yankee fans have fun. You know, this is uh, – it's, what, a couple months into the season – 
I don't even think summer started yet. And they're acting like they won the world series. It's all right. It's fine. It happens. But again, I care more about the momentum you're building through the summer into September, into the playoffs. Anyone that knows the game knows that's what matters the most. It doesn't, you can have the best record in baseball and have a bad September and not even make the playoffs like the 2011 Red Sox. So it, it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. Uh, it matters what you're doing three months from now. Yeah, that spiral can happen at any point. Um, you know, I'm kind of hoping that this is Aaron Judge's farewell tour from New York and he ends up elsewhere, but that's to be determined at this point. And we'll I mean, see. And the fact that he turned down that money is a little, you know, that, that, that was eye-opening to me. I'm wondering, you know, what a guy going into his age 30 season is expecting and how long he wants to get, uh, you know, paid for, obviously. <laughs> as long as possible. Right. But I mean, we've seen it. He's a little injury prone. Um, and when he's on, he's on when he's not, it's just kind of hard to watch, but, uh, I'm hoping he gets the hell out of the AL East after this year, because he is definitely uh, a weapon for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Aaron judge, the thing that sucks is I like him. Um, I, don't mind I think he's, I, I think he's a great dude. He's awesome for the kids. I care a lot about the players that actually care about the kids instead of just showing up for like the play 60 stuff. Like Aaron judge actually cares about the next generation of players and kids and fans. And he's a menace when he's healthy. I mean, right now he's got a, a over a thousand OPS, 24 homers, 48 RBIs. I mean, he's hitting 318. He hasn't missed many games, 58 games. I mean, what they played a little over 60. So I don't know when he's really cooking, it sucks, especially in that park where you get those little like weird, you know, directional off the bat hits. It's like, that's probably a homer, isn't it? Oh, it's into the second deck. Great. So ideally he'll slow down a little bit, but if he's healthy like this and motivated like this, I don't really see that happening. So um, gentlemen, not that I want to rain on the Yankee parade, but I think it's (laughs) chat to bed. Yeah. Yes. Red Sox uh, podcast here. Um, Jamie, you're quiet up there up my uh, screen here. You, uh, you want to join the pod? Yeah, Steve, I had one question for you. Um, for the closer spot, who's one player you would trade for? A player I would trade for, um, I mean, apparently Robertson's having a really good season. So that, that, that's kind of like the buzz right now that's going around. But I got to be honest, I was looking at a lot of the top save guys, and they're on teams that aren't going to give them up. So it's not, there isn't necessarily an obvious option out there. Um, I mean, internally, that could not be less. That could not be less of a guaranteed spot. Who the closer is? Uh, the Houck situation is hilarious to me because he closes for one weekend, and he's only one save shy of the team lead now, which is really eye opening. We're over sixty games into the season, and he's one behind Matty Stromboli for the team lead in saves. And everyone that said, everyone that thinks they know who the closer, you, you don't know. Everyone's like, oh, it's obviously Whitlock. It's obviously Houck. Like, it's obviously nobody. The team leader in saves has three. There's no, they don't have a closer. Like if the most obvious position in baseball that you either have or you don't have is a closer. Like it's, you either have the guy that's back there that's messing around for eight innings, knowing he's not going to go in the game because he's being saved either for the end of the eighth or for the ninth. Or you have a bunch of guys that are like, maybe I have to close this thing out tonight. And that's what the Red Sox have. And it drives me absolutely nuts because the answer isn't obvious. I mean, if Whitlock and Evaldi weren't on the IL, it's probably they would have probably stuck with Hauk. That's that's likely what would have happened. Uh, hearing that Sale's going to come back and maybe be in the bullpen when he comes back, 
now it has me just throwing out the hypothetical of trying to picture him as the closer. And it doesn't really add up outside of, you know, imagining him striking out Machado in the world series. Exactly. But what was on my mind. <laughs> that is the first thing on the mind. I'm trying to picture 2022 sale as the closer and it doesn't look quite the same, but yeah, I don't think there's an obvious answer for a trade. Cause you know, you go down the list and most of these guys are in teams that have playoffs playoff aspirations. Um, I mean, Hendricks has 16 saves, the white Sox, they've been kind of a mess, but they're not going to get rid of him. And you really go down the list. Most of these guys are on teams, Diaz with the Mets, Hater with the Brewers, uh, Rogers with the Padres. Like they're all Jansen. These guys aren't like acquirable. So if there's not an easy answer, if there was, they probably would have it by now, or there'd be rumors of, you know, rumblings of maybe a trade is coming and doesn't feel like it's happening anytime soon. You know, what about, what about the pirates? I feel like they could be a hypothetical matchup. I know Jamie is a big pirates fanatic, so he could probably chime in on this one. Get Bendar to Boston. I mean, I, if you're going to ask if I know anything about David Bednar, I do not. I, I know that he has 10 saves. So I'm looking at the stats, but I have no idea. This guy's got a one, two, nine. It's good for him. If you're on the pirates, I don't know you at all. Uh, that's basically how that goes. But 27 years old, man, 250. This is a bigger dude. 250, six, one. What does he just throw gas? Yeah. He throws like high nineties. Okay. Yeah. Let's get, let's get Bednar. <laughs> that's the guy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind him, and we we brought him up a couple of times. Is I think one, I don't know if Bloom's going to part with the pieces to get him. I don't think that'll happen. I think Charrington's going to want, um, you know, I guess like a king's ransom for him. But two, I I'm always a little weary about pirates players. Yeah, in, like like in the early 2000s when they're in that run, um, you know, they brought back Jeff Supon who shit the bed. You know what I mean? Scott Sauerbeck, they bring him. He was not what he was in Pittsburgh. You know, it seems like whenever they bring some of these dudes who come from Pittsburgh, it's obviously a completely different market, different world up here. You know, I personally like the idea of Scott Barlow from Kansas city. Wouldn't mind that. Um, I know that um, uh, what's his name there uh, uh, from the athletic was floating that out there yesterday, but um, name for, skips mine. It doesn't really matter, but um, yeah, him. So, but no, I, I think right now, you know, go out and get someone who can at least um, elevate the back of that pen. Maybe if it's not the closer, if there's not a legitimate guy out there, just get another arm um, that might surprise you. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I just offer that real quick though. The thing that sucks is uh, the Whitlock situation sucks. Like there's just no getting around it. Like if, if he had stayed in the role that he was in, there's no doubting the Red Sox would have at least four more wins. And that's putting it lightly. That would have him at 36 and 25 which for the way this team started, that's insane. That's the best wild card record in the American league. That would be close to the second best record in the American league. So that, I mean, it's, it's easy to look at the closer situation and be like, Oh, we should bring someone in. But to your point though, the atmosphere and adjusting to it is not an easy thing, especially midway through the season. And if you're going to get a guy on a crappy team, he's been playing in half full stadiums with games that don't really matter. And now he has to get the Red Sox higher into the postseason standings when all the eyes are on him in Boston. So I don't know. E- either way you look at it, the situation's not good. And it's a glaring issue that they need to try to fix and soon. So I'm gonna we're gonna completely transition from the Sox. Yep. You ready for Cape Cod baseball? Oh, of course. I'm pumped. I was I- gonna go last night if it wasn't uh game four, game five. Lose track of the games. They all suck. <laughs> confidence on the seas right now. Just curious. Down oh, three, two, going back to Boston. What's confidence? It's, it's not high. I was so upset because I have a game six ticket, and I knew that going into game five. 
It's, it's just, it really, it's tough. Cause like I'm living with my girlfriend, like right above the garden where like, look, I'm looking at TD garden right now. And the atmosphere has been nuts around here. And we've gone to like six of the games and you just had a, ch- you had the chance, you had the chance to get it back here, you know, with the three, two lead. And instead they have to win two must win games against Steph, but we'll see. I think there's going to be a game seven, but I'm done making predictions because I thought they were going to win game five. So it's tough. Well, I want Miggy to go ahead and bet on the Warriors again because last time he did that, they lost. So yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and bet on them again. All right. <laughs> hey, I had a question for you the, on a personal level. Um, yeah. With your, with your hat, or excuse me, with your shoes um, and the, the whole, you know, custom kicks things. I mean, like, how did that begin? And what are your favorite pair? Uh, yeah, the ballpark kicks thing started up in 2019. I've always loved sneakers. I've always been obsessed. And I was working at Bleach Report for five years. It was very competitive in the office. It was who had the best kicks. You always had to like one up each other. And that <laughs> cost all my money. So I would constantly be buying new kicks, trying to impress everybody. And I'm like, I should probably not spend my entire paycheck on this. So I got to like 50 pairs of shoes and I realized all right. I feel comfortable. You know, this is this, I got a good range. I, I feel like I can each event. I got something for it. And so I got into the custom game because they're more expensive, but you, when you get less of them, it's more justifiable that you can do it. So I, I've met a couple of the sneaker sneaker customizers on Instagram and Mike Jordan. I love that his name is Michael, basically Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, he's Mike Jordan artist. I believe is his handle on IG. He's a great dude. Unfortunately, he's a Yankee fan. But we were just DMing and I was like, dude, I would love if, you know, you could do uh, some custom kicks for me. And he's like, absolutely. I got him at a good time. This was in the summer when the pandemic started in 2020. And I got him at a good time and, and he did the Jurassic Park sneakers, which are still my favorite. I mean, they're so cool and easily get the most compliments. Um, but the whole ballpark kicks thing started in 2019. I started the handle just because I, I realized sneaker culture and basketball was a big thing, but not really in baseball and the custom cleats have really become more of a, a commonplace the last three years, kind of around the same time. So started the handle and I really just do it for fun. It's got like two or 3000 followers. It's not, you know, I'm not like bringing money in or anything. I just like having a page dedicated to it. And uh, the custom sneakers have come along since then, but got to go with the Jurassic park ones. Those are, those are a lot of fun to wear. Yeah. Those ones definitely opened some eyes for sure. I saw yeah. those and was like, damn, those are dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're loud. <laughs> I like the fact though that Verdugo, you know, he's pretty known on, on Instagram with, with showing the different uh, cleats that he has and stuff like that. And, you know, getting that personality, Xander did that a little bit um, as well. It's, it's kind of nice to see. And, and, you know, hopefully as, you know, baseball sees this evolve, they can begin to, you know, continue to try to market that and hit that and see these players, you know, for more than just what we kind of see on the field, because there's more of this personality to, I mean, you think about it, couple days you got the 99 chains that are coming out for the fans at the uh, red sox game you know it's stuff like that that, that's showing there's personality with these guys i actually want to jump on something really quick so uh we're gonna go back so last year you were uh you were suspended on twitter oh god that was (laughs) so bad i almost forgot about that (laughs) well chris did it so i i so um the reason why i bring that up and i was telling the guys before we were recording you know, you were suspended because you threw the uh, Creed 2, which is now four years ago. You did it four years ago. Yeah. Um, and I'm going through and I saw, 
Catillo's tweet, you know, letting everybody know that you had copyright violation, but you were alive <sighs> well, you know, and you filed under the hate to see it. Did you remember that there was the free Steve Twitter handle? Like there was that movement on Twitter? Yeah, was that you guys? That was me. I, I apply a standing ovation. Standing <laughs> ovation. That that is awesome. Um props to you because I gotta say, have you guys had your Twitter suspended at any point, by the way? No. And the worst no. thing, it is the worst thing of all time. Like when obviously you guys know I put a lot of time into like growing the Twitter audience, and it's been kind of the core of my last geez seven years. So right. when you just get that like stripped from you like that. It is the scariest thing ever because the more people I talk to, I was reaching out to Gaz, uh, sales guy there at Barstool, and because he's kind of he knows all the ins and outs of Twitter and all the accounts they have. And the thing that scared the hell out of me is he was like, "Dude, you might not, you actually might not get it back." Like we've had some accounts that we can't get back for some of their bigger podcasts over the years, and that scared the hell out of me. So I really thought around the fifth day or so, fourth or fifth day, this only lasted six days. It felt like six years. I thought I wasn't going to get it back. I remember that greatly. And you deserve a ton of credit for that. That was awesome. And I needed that because there was no hope. <laughs> there was no hope outside of it. Because you had Emerson, my boy Emerson was doing everything he could. Steven Nelson actually on intentional talk on his like whiteboard during the broadcast that hashtag free Steve, which was hilarious. Um, so it got to the point where I'm like, I, I'm now seeing the people that actually have my back and the people that don't. Jared didn't give a damn, obviously. Like that is, it's the, and I, I'm glad he didn't because that fits his character. Like there's no scenario where he'd be like, I feel bad for you, Steve. So that wasn't going to happen. But no, it was, that was a tough stretch. And then luckily I got in contact with somebody that had also had their uh, Twitter suspended and they put me in contact was some dude in like Australia that works for like Twitter Australia that was able to unsuspend me because of like someone I knew. So it was, that was an absolute mess, but I appreciate your efforts. It was, it was needed. And Oh, what a scary time that was. Yeah. I you told me Twitter Australia hooked you up. That's I think there was somewhere over there. You know, when you, you, you know, it's that side of the world. You're like, it's in there. It's over there somewhere. I don't know. Aussies, but Aussies always hook you up. Yeah, exactly. You know Speaking of Jared not giving a damn, yeah. remember that game I saw you at? Which one? You know, the one where I was wearing that drippy-ass uh, sock starter jacket. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, what, three weeks ago? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. So yeah. I'm talking to Jared for a minute, and I'm like, he, he like, told me, hey, man, like, you got to put in some better hair product. You got a nice head of hair. And I'm like, thanks, bro. He goes, hit me up later on Twitter, because I asked him, like, what are you using, like, female product? Do you not want to say it out loud? Yeah. And he was like, just hit me up on Twitter. I'm like, word, okay, because I actually needed some hair gel. I hit yeah. the dude up, and he completely goosed me. I'm like, what the hell, bro? That so I he doesn't he up. doesn't do the DMs anymore. So he's I think he's given up on the DMs because I'm sure they're so flooded. But yeah, he's but he's, he's not famous. he's not answering uh, the DMs because I've heard that from multiple folks being like, oh, yo, Steve, like you reply to the DMs, but Jared never does. Um, I think he's just kind of that's that's not. He doesn't, I don't know if he doesn't have the time for it. I think that's not true, but there is a certain element of avoiding the DMS, especially when a lot of Yankee fans get in there, it gets really choppy waters, I would say. So sometimes the good ones are balanced out by the really bad ones and you just want to avoid it all together. So yeah, if nah. that's why I, I don't, I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. We're, we're, we're trying to save you. You're actually your girlfriend. 
she DM'd that Twitter handle and she was like, who are you? And I gave her like the most like cryptic Batman kind of response. And I was like, I'm just a friend. And I just <laughs> never messaged her back after that. I just left it as is. She followed the account. Um, That's which funny. I rebranded. It's going to be a different thing. I'm going to do a podcast called uh, Zero Fuck Friday. But uh, so it's rebranded to something different. So I like that. But, uh, but yeah. So I just I wanted to to throw that out there if I had the opportunity to chat with you in person or virtually and, uh, you know, let you know that. Uh, I, I applaud the efforts greatly. I really do, because it was a scary ass time. And I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. Well, maybe I do. Maybe I do. If, if Strowman got his suspended, I wouldn't really hate it. But uh you got Outside beef of that, Stroh? what's what's up? I said you got beef with Stro. I've never liked Strowman, but I, and then he finally like replied to me, and I'm like, oh, what's up, man? Um, <laughs> but no, if Katillo's got his suspended, I'd I'd love that actually. Oh, that would so, be yeah. quite comical. That would be this this kid does not stop chirping even in person. God, we'll be up. I'll be up there with Joey, and we're prepping for the show, and he always walks in and goes. Ah, like he'll just yell at us when we're not when our backs are turned to him. I'm like, I'm gonna kill you. Like one of these days. <laughs> I'm just going to go to jail forever because I'm going to kill you. And that's just going to, it's going to go, dude. So just tell him to go in the corner and enjoy his damn ice cream. I know what a, what a (laughs) whale, but um, yeah, I I hope it gets suspended. We'll see. We'll see. Oh boy. It's going to have to keep reporting him for stuff. He didn't really do. Yeah. That's a good call. We, all of us on here should report him for (laughs) bad things. All right. I'm on, I'm on board. That sounds like a plan. Yep. Three of the four of us were graduates of the Chris Cotillo, uh, you know, workshop. Oh, there you go. You guys are loyal. Damn it. So, you know, I mean. Yeah. Got your back, Steve. Yeah, all go. right. There we go. We got one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, sh- I'll share a Cotillo story after we stop recording. I don't want to blow up a spot on the on All good. The record. So I'll wait to do that when he jumps on the podcast, which he's That's like. Fair. You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll save that when he jumps on. I'll tell you after. It's kind of funny. So. That's fair. Uh, gentlemen, as we kind of wind, uh, wind this thing down and uh, land this plane, what do we got, Jamie? Any last? Uh... I got I got one to end it. Um, Steve, what's your favorite non-Red Sox interview that you've done in your career so far? That's a great question. Um, I was lucky enough at Bleacher Report to do a lot of uh, AMAs and, and get to interview a lot of players during the pandemic. Might say Dwayne Wade. I think D. Wade might be the top guy because going into it, I had a certain impression of him. And I really still hated that play against Rondo where he just killed him basically and got away with it. And that, that whole, that, that whole Heatles vibe where they were always kind of acting greater than I hated that, but he's an awesome dude and was super nice. Gave us like 40 minutes of his time. Talked about Paul Pierce in a very uh, complimentary manner, which of course made me happy. So I, I'd probably say D Wade was, was the go-to him or Sean White. Sean White was really cool too. Talk to Sean. Um, That's awesome. So he was was cool breaking down the Olympics and everything. But uh, yeah, I'll go with D-Wade. D-Wade was really chill dude. And and he's crushing it post-career too. He's living the life. Dude's in like, he could play still. He's in great shape. And, you know, doing the part ownership thing now, him and Gabrielle Union are constantly in the spotlight for good reasons, not because they're like clowns. So I I would go D-Wade. D-Wade. You still doing anything with Bradfield? Uh, so the Rob thing is interesting because he's, I, I know for a stretch there, we were still going to try to do some live BP stuff, but figured since I'm under the Odyssey umbrella now with the connection to EEI, it made sense for us to just kind of do our own stuff under that umbrella. 
So like him still do the Bradfoe show. Obviously we've been launching inside the monster and trying to grow it. Um, and just let us both kind of eat at the same time. I, I, I think I want to do more pregame pre and post game stuff when I can. I know this podcast takes up a ton of time because we're trying to get out as much content as possible. And like I mentioned, grow the audience, but Rob's doing well. I know I love Coop. Coop's my guy and, and he's been, you know, helping out Rob and, and co-hosting a little bit there. So yeah, maybe, maybe more during the season, but I still see him at the park all the time. We're always, uh, you know, chatting and catching up and um, yeah, trying to grow shows under the, the Odyssey umbrella. Yeah, it, it, it look, I mean, just even this, I mean, we try to do it, you know, once a week, we've done two a week. It shit's hard. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of time, a lot of time. A lot of time. You know what I mean? Like, there'll be like random times. So the day I'll just be like giving these guys like random videos that I made and they're like, how do you have all this time? I'm just like, well, I work from home. So it's easy. Um, yeah. But like, no, it is. It is an absolute like, but I mean, I'd rather do that than, you know, work. I was working a retail job. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Selling yeah. basketballs. Well, I wasn't so much selling basketballs. I was in charge of the selling of basketballs, but I'm all set with that. So, yeah, like I'm, I'm all, I'm all set. I'm done with that. Thanks. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what do you got? This Steve. Yeah. This Steve. Yeah. Stevie Brown. <laughs> Stevie. Stevie B. There's too I'm many Stevie Steve's here. You're Stevie B. Stevie B. Stevie P. That still kind of rhymes, though. Yeah, of course. All right. You're spelling Steve with a PH or a V? Cool. Oh, v. Okay. V. Thank God. I'm thank not you. one of the weirdos. All uh, right. You're not an old man. I appreciate I that. I know the PHs suck, dude. They're just a yeah, different type. Assholes about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. They don't deserve to be. They should be Steph. Be Steph if you want. Yeah. But yeah. Steph sounds better than Steven with a PH. I know. I would That's agree. My two sets. That's my two sets. <laughs> but I, I, I just gotta, that. I just gotta give you the, uh, you know, seal of approval for uh, hooking it up with that, uh, with that Nomar jersey. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. No, I, I would recommend getting both of them. I know they, they dropped the authentic one, a little, little pricey. But like, I've been wanting a Nomar jersey for a long time, and I want a jersey that's obviously a Nomar jersey. So I'm glad it has the '97 Jackie Robinson oh. patch. So yeah. it like pins it to the nineties. Not, I don't want like a Johnny Gomes jersey. Nothing against Gomes. Oh, I, you on, know, obviously I don't want a Nick Punto jersey. I don't want the generic <laughs> five that 80 guys have had. I want the Nomar jersey. And when they drop the BP one, I'm like, yes, that is. Well, you, you know, my, my, uh, my personal favorite, I couldn't help myself. This guy uh, over near me was selling a uh, Clemens jersey from the nineties. And I absolutely Ooh. had to pull trigger on that. So it's yeah. like the Boston one. It doesn't oh, say yeah, Red yeah. Sox on it. So it's got like his last that. name on it. I like that. That one is, is friggin' gorgeous. Where that the last name, about. last name on the home jerseys is, is, is always going to be tough to me. It's, it's funny. Cause like I, I support the fact that people are supporting the socks and their player and they want people to know who the player is the real fans know who the player is with the number. They don't, they don't need the the name on the back. So I'm always going to be kind of anti that. Well, I'll, I'll get a Boston one. If I want a last name on it, I'll, I'll get the yeah. way jersey. I just yeah, get the road ones. Yeah. I've officially closed the door on the, uh, the home with the last name and yeah. those damn DH gate ones where you can clearly tell from a mile away that they're fake as hell. Yeah. I, I can't, people will send the link like, Oh, I found the Jersey, the, the number one Jersey I'm looking for is the Ken Griffey Jr. 99 All-Star Game one that's, like, actually made in 99, not, like, DH Gate where they patch together some stuff and it looks like crap and it's 20 bucks. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to hunt that down. I had it once and it was XL and it was just, like, a robe on me. I'm trying to get that in, like, a medium or a large. So we'll see. I'm trying, still trying to track it down. It's a work of progress. I think you'll find it, though. Just PP Bay. PP Bay. 
It it's out there. I know. I, I, I check eBay bit. every week. <laughs> I do 99 grippy every single Dude, that week. Was me. That was me with that damn, uh, with the friggin' City Connect last year. I wanted the sweatshirt. Yeah. And they were like $350. I said, go to hell. And then Chris here hooked it up. Chris here hooked it up for face value. The fact that I sold basketballs and I had access to, you know, to that merchandise. Hell yeah. That's what it's all about. I didn't price God. I sold to you. What, face value, right? hundred bucks. I think it was like 90 bucks within whatever was shipping. So I could have been that guy. I'm going to tell you, you know, there's actually one thing that I want. Well, there's two things I want. One would be is to do a podcast on top of the green monster. That's one. But two, I want the Heimbloom, like the actual Heimbloom draft day sweater. I will yeah. check tomorrow. Like there is really no cost that I would like spare for that. That is on like the absolute of the bucket list. Well, if we can make that happen. That that thing is we we asked him about it. I, I asked him uh two years ago about that. It was after the draft when we, we it might have been last year when we interviewed Heim. And it's like, what's it gonna take? Like, like how how do we get that? How do we get that thing? What is it even called? It's a well, I think like, I don't even it's not like even a jacket, it's like it, it has a name and it's I don't know if it's a sweater. like a Sherpa. It's something. Is it a cardigan? I think it's yeah, that. yeah, I think it's a cardigan. That sounds accurate. Yeah, and it's like a turtleneck kind of deal, right? And it was like a replica of something the Sox wore in like 1908 or something. And I'm like, where the hell do you get it? And he just had this smirk in his face because I think he knew it was like made for him. <laughs> and yeah, dude, that's like a one in one. <laughs> I know. I think we landed on like him auctioning it off for the Jimmy Fund, which we got to circle back on that. But um, yeah, that would fetch a big price if that thing hit. Like that Red Sox auctions page that they have, stuff goes for ridiculous numbers. If you put the Heim cardigan on there, forget about it. Oh, that thing is gonna sell for like thousands, no doubt yeah. about it. I could easily get five k. I think. Yeah, Chris Pretty is cool. on it. Chris is on. I'm telling you right now, I will pay five thousand dollars. Okay, that is. You want this thing? I respect that. Real quick, Steve, before we let you go, I um, I listen to Inside the Monster. Obviously, a couple weeks ago, you guys had you know y'all's top three favorite players. I messaged you. I probably would never get a response from you guys. So, who are your four, five, and six? Who's your fourth, fifth, and sixth favorite player? I know you guys kind of asked for somebody. Six. That's a great question. Um, who did I have as top three? I had like Nomar. Ortiz. I probably had Nomar, Ortiz, and Pedro, I think. Um, yeah, four, five, and six. Manny would have to be right behind Pedro at number four. Uh, five. Jeez. Five. I probably have Xander. I'm a huge Xander guy. And I, I know him a little bit now. Like he gave me like a tap on the back in the dugout. I'm like, all right, we're best friends. And like, we're going to be at each, all each other's events from now on. Um, and six is Mo Vaughn. I'd put like Xander and, and Mo Vaughn can be altered. You know, they can be changed there at five and six, but Mo was the guy. Mo was like my David Ortiz, you know, growing up. And then Poppy came around when I was like 12 or 13. So like that stage of growing up that 12, that like 11, to 16 as a fan nothing else matters than your teams like it's not even close i i didn't give a damn about school girlfriends was not even close to a discussion um <laughs> it was the socks like that was it and it mattered so much during that time and it obviously still does now but at least like you know you gotta have a little bit of a life outside of the team but that was kind of the core right there so yeah that would be 
I'll be the six. I think that sounds like a pretty good list. I think yeah. I don't know what I don't know why I I love this guy so much, but I I freaking love Daniel Nava. That was my that was, guy. That, that was, was your guy. guy. He's a great dude. They bought him yeah. for a dollar from the independent league and then yeah. signed him. Like, dude, I loved that that home run he hit right after the uh the marathon bombing. That was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Big time. yeah, that's my dude right there. Love it. <laughs> Daniel Nava. I got a jersey, dude. <laughs> that's all i got i don't mean to keep you too long cool no this wait. is this has been good i appreciate you guys having me on all right how often are you at fenway I, I know i know i saw you steve but how often are you guys at fenway um, yeah this kid's in texas <laughs> so not <laughs> often <laughs> but he still got the best record out of any of us because he was out in all the rangers games oh, okay that's and three out of the four of us are actually going to be in a regular so that'll be a fun that yeah, is, I'm not going to make that trip, unfortunately. Nice. That'll be good. Look, We're still 50 yeah, 50 for that trip, even though it's in like two weeks. Dude, you got to go. You got to. Come on. I know. It's well, it's either that or like Cape Cod for the fourth weekend, you know? So. I mean, that's Chicago. kind of a good we'll spot. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll be in Chicago, is, <laughs> is what that means. Yeah. At a haunted we'll hotel. They're going to pod from a haunted hotel. So, yeah. Yep. Well, yeah, I like that. Need some conjuring shit good on stuff. screen. Good stuff. A little Blair Witch on the uh, podcast I'm running around. <laughs> so Jamie's in the city temporarily, and then he's going to be going to uh, South Carolina. Just yep. Coming, so, yep. And Good then, stuff. All right. See. I live closer to the Cape. I will actually. I live closer to like to go see like Wareham. So if I want to. Go oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wareham's. I I gotta say, I that park that does absolutely nothing for me. But it's well, it's because it's supposed to be a football field, right? I mean, is that yeah. Um, I do like going to the games in Katuit. Love going to Katuit, Chatham, uh, Harwich, just because we had a place there. But Orleans is such a great atmosphere. I just love the Cape League so much, man. I got to get down there soon. I know they started two days ago, but ideally you can get to more games this year. And it's got to be when the Sox are away, though. That's not this weekend. So it's going to be a little bit. Yeah, I want to I want to do the that and I want to get to the Brockton Rocks with all the, the players yeah. down there um folks kid pitched the other night you know um he didn't really do so hot but didn't doesn't matter but uh yeah. I, you know that's not far either you know what i mean like the 40 minute drive not even 30 minute drive so it's doable all right well gentlemen that is uh episode 14 in the books we're already at 14 it's the steve peralt episode i don't even have a little catchy name they was going to call it the steve peralt episode so that's what we do when we had nightingale we just call it bob nightingale so <laughs> yeah I think that works. I think that gets the job done. <laughs> so, uh, Steve, thank you for uh, for uh, you know, letting us go inside the monster for uh, 35, 40 minutes. Um, it was a lot of fun. And I was happy to be able to tell you that I was the man behind the uh, Twitter handle and bonded with Steve, met Miggy from Texas, and Jamie was just, you know, there observing. <laughs> Jamie had some good ones. <laughs> Jamie definitely had some good ones. Um, no, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Ideally, I can see it at Fenway at some point. I know they're more than ever this year, so that would be delightful. But yeah, Sox are back in postseason position. We're feeling good, man. Feeling Hell good. Hell yeah. Let's do it. All right, gentlemen, that is episode 14.